Ahoy everybody! Thank you for tuning in to Airborne Entrepreneur. Thank you very much and uh, welcome to my podcast, Airborne Entrepreneur. And I can't even say how grateful I am to have you with me and, and say yes to having conversation with me because I believe this will be huge value, massive value to my audience. And uh, welcome, Dr. John Demartini. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> Thank you very much. I, I can call you probably my mentor because I read your books and I love your work. And your, your work is expressed a lot in my, my teachings. And I would like to probably go back because a lot of people asking me about life, work-life balance. And I think it's big, big conversation opening up because a lot of people are busy and, and I think they're kind of forgetting to be more and they're just doing, doing, they're busy and they can't find a way to the balance. Can we maybe open up conversation about that today? Is that fine for you? It's interesting that that came up today working with uh, somebody in Vancouver and also in Johannesburg, that same topic. So it must be very topical. Um, <laughs> wow. Could I give uh, a step-by-step -step thing that could help people with that? Can I give a-, a Absolutely, that would be amazing. Yeah. So, so whoever's listening, um, if you could get a paper, piece of paper and maybe a pen, or if you have a drawing on maybe your, your uh, technology, I'd like to share with you an action step that really made a difference in my life that you and the people you care about could apply to help you find that balance, you might say. In, uh, when I was 27, 28 years old, <clears throat> I opened up a practice. And it took a lot of, uh, very demanding, it took a lot of my time. And I hired me one assistant and I was trying to have a relationship. And so I was putting more energy into my business than in my relationship. And uh, my social life uh, declined, except for the social interaction with the people in the practice. I really got focused on the practice. So I realized that I was starting to sacrifice other things that were also valuable to me for this because the, the feeling of the pressure of trying to get this thing off the ground, this practice. I went to a bookstore, uh, Walden's book, which is a series of bookstores, and found a book called The Time Trap by Alec McKenzie. As I read this book and underlined and circled things in the book, I pulled out a piece of paper and created what I want to share with you. And this was enormously powerful for me. And this can apply to you in business or you at home or your spouse or partner. It can apply to any human being. So in this piece of paper, you put five lines down it, one in the center and two on either side to make six total columns. So you have three on one side and three on the other. Six total equal space columns across the page, vertically. In the very first column at the top, you write down daily actions, everything you do in a day, every single thing you do in a day, <clears throat> and differentiate what is professional versus personal. 
I put the professional on top because I had a higher value on that and the personal is down below. And I mean everything, not generalities like marketing. That's too vague. What exactly is the action you do in a day? I'm making calls, I'm doing certain paperwork, I'm doing certain procedures. Every single action you do in a day, but not just one day, a day that might occur over a three month period. So anything you might do different days of the week included over a period of about three months. Because sometimes you only do things quarterly. Sometimes you do things uh, weekly, daily. But make a list of every single thing you do in a day. And as you make this list, you're gonna become cognizant of, wow, I'm spending a lot of time doing stuff that's not really most important. But first you're gonna make a list of that and do a really honest, thorough evaluation of what you do with your days. And that includes brushing your teeth down to, you know, saying goodnight to the kids, every single thing. Once you've made this exhaustive list, the second column is how much does it produce per hour? How much does it actually generate income? Because that's a sign that you're doing something that serves somebody else. And fulfillment occurs not just from narcissistic needs being met, but also altruistic services being provided. We all feel greater when we make a difference in somebody else's life. Yeah. And the pain is a measure of the services rendered. So by looking at how much it produces, because whenever you're doing things that produce the most per hour, you go up in value, you value yourself more. And if you go and do things lower on the value or don't make anything in the value, you devalue your time, your time and your life. So make a list of everything you do and then how much does it produce? When I did this at 27, almost 28, I was astonished. A lot of stuff I was doing wasn't producing anything. Yes, that's most of us probably, yeah. And I was doing trivia. And <laughs> I was as I was writing these things and I was doing this and looking at the dollars, I was sitting and go, whoa, no wonder I have no time. Yes. Because I'm. I, if you don't know how to fill your day with high priority actions, it fills up with low priority distractions, it devalue you. Yes. So I really made a list of what it produced per hour. And I was surprised. Some of the things that I actually produced the most income from were not the things that I thought were most important for me to be doing. It was shocking. I found <laughs> out that me going out and speaking to people were, was more valuable than actually doing clinical work that I spent 10 years of school for. <laughs> so then, then I, at the third column is how much meaning does it have? And by the way, your spouse can do the same thing, doing all the different thousand activities that they may be doing at home, if they're at home or they're working. Yeah. Both of you do this if you're in partnership. And if you're not, if you're single, do it. Now, when I looked at how much meaning it is, I did it on a one to 10 scale. And I found out that some of the things that I was doing were really, really meaningful. And I was spontaneously inspired to do it. And I kept wanting to do that more than the other stuff. And other stuff was absolutely not meaningful and I was dreading it. And anytime you're doing something you've got to break on that you think is in the way, not on the way, you're devaluing yourself and actually running your health down and, and actually making your feeling a desperate life because you're living out of duty, not design, not out of something inspired, but out of duty. So you do that. And then after you get that done, you're going to have another awakening. You're going to go, wow, am I really doing a bunch of stuff that's making me feel unfulfilled? No wonder my health is down and my energies are down. Yeah. 
And no wonder I'm a bear when I get home. Then go and see where there's a correlation between the things that are most meaningful and most productive. Because if you'll find out my case, there were some that were the same. And it was such a blessing because then I know, okay, that's where I need to be targeting my energy. And the next column, you write down how much would it cost to delegate that? To find somebody that would do a greater job than me doing it, how much would it cost? Every cost, not just their salaries, the training cost, the space yeah. usage cost, the equipment cost, parking. What, how much would it cost for me to get somebody to do that stuff that is not inspiring to me, that's not meaningful to me, doesn't produce for me, <laughs> so I can go and produce something of more dollar value yeah. and yeah. delegate that. When I did that, I then looked at the biggest spread between what produced most to what was the most least cost. And I looked at the biggest spreads and I prioritized that according to spread. In the next column, I wrote down how much is the actual time in a day that I'm average doing these things? And I had to really be honest with myself. And in the final column, my final prioritization, taking in all the variables. Now, when I got through that, I layered my page into 10 layers and I made a commitment to hire somebody to do the lowest stuff first. And when I shed that, I had more time and more income and more energy and more inspiration. And that drew more business to me and less time. So I actually had more time on my hands because I managed wisely. When you manage money and time wisely, you get more money and you get more time. I love that. And I did the second layer and the third layer. Okay. And over the next 18 months, I knocked out all the layers except the top three things that were the most productive, most meaningful, most inspiring things for me to do. And from that day on, I never went back. And I'd, I've delegated everything since. And it's allowed me to make more income. My income went up tenfold in 18 months because wow. I was able to concentrate on doing what I absolutely love to do that served the greatest number of people in the most efficient way. And I was able to surround myself with people that did all the things that were not inspiring to me. And I had more time for the people I cared about. I love that. <laughs> that's absolutely great. And that's because that this conversation came up this morning around balance. I was thinking like, I'm going to ask you that because I said to, to my friend, I said, the first and most important thing is to understand why you're doing four jobs. Is that any, any of those bringing you cash flow? Like, do you have positive cash flow? Do you have actually money to survive, to feed yourself, to feed your family? Because if you don't have that, you're stressed, you're down and you don't have energy to do, you know, even inspiring stuff. You just, you just don't have energy. And thank you very much. This is great. I'm going to share that with everyone because it's so important. And yeah. You know, it's interesting. People... I'm going on 67 and I have more energy than most 30 year olds. I can I feel 106 <laughs> push-ups this morning. I ran four miles this morning and people go, where do you get this energy? Yeah. The only thing that drains energy is low priority actions. Yeah. I get emotional when I, I'm, I'm, I'm connected. That means don't worry <laughs> if you see the tears because I love the conversation and it's really part of my life last two years. And I was going to ask you as well about, because that is the same thing to be inspired and do inspired actions and be connected with ourselves is all in your work, in like breakthrough experience, the Martini method. I think 
that's just such an amazing topic and and maybe because we don't have so much time that i can you know imagine and ask a million questions but if you can just go a little bit back and, and how that came up because i believe to language that experience is really hard but how that experience came up how did you experience that breakthrough like what was the, how did the breakthrough experience emerge yeah well in march 1989 on a flight to montreal on my way through montreal to quebec city i was flying and i meditated on the plane i was just envisioning what i was going to be sharing teaching a group of doctors there that day that next day and suddenly in my mind uh, an image came and it was breakthrough to higher power the vip seminar <laughs> wasn't expecting it, it just popped up so i got my little jack bolin uh goal journal and i quickly sketched what i saw in my mind <laughs> when i sketched that um I then went back into meditation to see if there's any more detail because I've used inner meditative states for a lot of inner guidance. And all of a sudden it in my head, an idea whose time has come within the tiny seed lies a mighty oak. So I wrote it down on the, on the journal. And originally it was just a board table with 12 people around it. And it was, to do everything I could within my knowledge to assist them in breaking through anything that's in the way of them living amazing lives, inspired lives, fulfilling lives. Whatever was in my power and knowledge at the time, I wanted to offer that and troubleshoot and whatever it is that they wanted to work on to help them do that and work with 12 people for two solid days. And that's what I saw. And I started to launch that program shortly after that. And um, then people, as they started coming to this program, they changed the title without me asking. They kept saying that breakthrough experience. So the breakthrough experience title actually came from people's spontaneous conversations about what they got out of it. They said that I had a breakthrough experience. And so I changed it from breakthrough to higher power to the breakthrough experience because of people that kept spontaneously calling it that and then that changed and then i just started doing it and i did it for sometimes 43 or 45 times a year weeks every weekend i've done 1122 breakthrough experience presentations yeah absolutely amazing 66 <laughs> countries and and uh you know thousands and thousands of people have been through it so it's it was an idea whose time has come that turned into a book. Um, it's turned into university classes. It's turned into all kinds of things, but it's still to this day, one of my most inspiring things to get to do to help people break through whatever they perceive is in the way of what they really want in life. And sometimes it's simply they're subordinating to other people and conforming to other people's ideals and trying to be somebody they're not and trying to be a cat they're a cat trying to swim like a fish or a fish trying to climb a tree like a cat and they're not honoring their own magnificence and they're comparing themselves to others instead of comparing their actions to their own dreams yeah and sometimes it's because 
they're afraid it's going to undermine their relationship, or they're afraid they're not intelligent enough, or they're afraid they're going to fail, or they're afraid they're not going to, not going to make any money or lose money, or they're afraid they're going to be rejected. There's all kinds of fears there. And I show people how to transcend those fears and get on with the actions to set real objectives with real strategies to give real outcomes. And I love it. I love watching people's lives change in the thousands, I mean, thousands of letters that I've received. I mean, amazing. I, I got one today from a gentleman that went 30 years ago and has his own institute today of education. And he's, he's asked me to bring it to his institute again uh, for a graduation ceremony. He wants to offer to the graduates that program. And that's from 30 years he's been, he's been interacting with that. Wow. So I get, I get some amazing feedback having the opportunity to watch lives change doing that program. It's very inspiring for me. And I love when people are on that journey, when they start a journey, they just stay because it's, it's like a drug. It's, it's an addiction because it's amazing to, to connect with ourselves internally, really feel it. And I know you have in your program, you're basically teaching people, are you talking about divine balanced mind? And before we will stop, start talking about that, I was probably going to ask a lot of people don't know what is that they really, really, truly want. And I think that's the hardest part because, you know, when you find out what you want, it's kind of, it, it's, it's strate- strategic planning or plan. And, but how we find out what we truly want, what we are here for, like, what is that, you know, authentic me to, to express myself. And because after that, I know it's a lot of fears, but, but how I will find out, how will I connect with myself? Well, Our identity revolves around what we value most. I love teaching and I love researching and writing. My identity is teacher, researcher. Somebody else's identity is their highest value is raising a beautiful family and they would identify themselves as a mother. Others are entrepreneurs and they see themselves as an entrepreneur. Others are sports and they see themselves by that sport. Whatever we value most in life, whatever is highest in our value, the ancient Greeks called the telos, and it was the very core of our own identity. And even though it can change as our identity can change, that at any one moment is the key. So I developed a value determination process, which is on my website, that's complimentary, that's private for people. Please, if you can take 30 minutes of your time, go to the drdmartini.com and just do the value determination process. And do it again a week later and a month later, because you probably lie to yourself the first time. Yes. But do it again until you're really honest with yourself and it will be eye-opening and it will be revealing. Yes. So if you look carefully at what you fill your space with, because things that are valuable to you keep around you in your intimate and personal space. What do you spend your time on? You make time, find time, spend time on things that are really valuable to you. What energizes you and raise your energy level spontaneously That tells you what you value. What do you spend your money on? You find money, make money, and spend money on things that are really valuable to you. You don't want to spend money on things that are devalued. Yeah. Where are you most organized? Where are you most disciplined? What do you think about, visualize, and internally talk to yourself about, about how you would love your life to be that is showing evidence of coming true? If there's no evidence, it's not real. It's a fantasy. And you don't want to write fantasies down because it becomes a nightmare. You want a real objective, something you spontaneously do. If you need motivation 
to say what to, to, to do what you say is important. It's not important. I don't need motivation to do researching yes. and teaching. I agree. And then you look at what inspires you and what do you keep wanting to bring your conversations to? What do you want to talk about when you're with people? What are the most consistent goals that you're persevering on and showing evidence of coming true? And what did you spontaneously want to learn about, read about, study about, watch on YouTube? If you look carefully, a certain answer will keep showing up reiterated down that list of questions. Answer three answers to each question. You know, 39 answers of the 13 questions. And then look at which answers show up most frequent, second most frequent down the line. And it'll give you a hierarchy of values and you'll look at that. And I've had thousands of people go through it, millions now. And they'll go, whoa, no wonder my life is the way it is. Because the hierarchy of those values are dictating their destiny. It determines how they perceive, how they decide, and how they act, which builds their habits and character and their results. And knowing that, and then starting to prioritize and structure your life around that is absolutely enormous in transforming your life and giving yourself permission to shine, not shrink. I love that. You're talking from my heart. And I love that because I, I did value elicitation with a lot of clients. And it's first thing they said, wow, this is really confronting. Like they don't even want to share sometimes at a, at a meeting because it's well, like they, they want to they want to live in their fantasy of who they are <laughs> instead of face the truth of who they are. I, I worked with a lady the other day that said, well, my highest value is my children. I said, let's do the value determination because yeah. my my BS meter's going off. <laughs> and we found out that she was 10 to 12 hours a day at her work because she had her own company. Wow. She spent two to three hours, additional hours, thinking about it, planning on it, and dealing with it. So that's 15 hours a day with that. Wow. She was averaging an hour to an hour and a half with her kids. She had somebody that was taking care of the preparing food, cleaning, and everything else, and taking the kids places. But she was trying to convince me that her highest value was her kids. So I do all that for my kids. I said, if that was true, you would have married a rich man and taken care of your kids. You are a woman that likes your autonomy, not to be told what to do, not depend on a guy. You want your own business, you want your own wealth, and you also want to have kids. And she got kind of teary eyed and she says, is it that obvious? And I said, yes. She said, mm. and then they don't want to face the truth sometimes because they, they're afraid of rejection and not conforming to social assumptions about how they're supposed to be. Yeah. Anytime you hear yourself saying, I should, I ought to, I'm supposed to, I got to, I have to, I must, and I need to, it ain't you. It's an outside authority injecting its influence on you. And you got to know what's truly you and what's really important to you and what your life truly spontaneously demonstrates you're committed to and structure your life around that. And you will excel. You will take off. And you will have more energy than you've ever had and you won't need motivation in life motivation is a symptom never a solution for human beings yeah and i always said when you want motivation just go to watch short video or you'll be motivated for a few minutes that's all it's it's yeah. gone because it's external it's internal is inspiration you need to be inspired by what you're actually doing like you need to be inspired by the goal you have and vision you have and something that you love to do i love that conversation is amazing and, and i think it's so important and honestly even though I'm, I'm studying a lot and I'm on the way and I'm helping clients, I'm still trying to find a way how to express myself. And I think that's, that's all just cut the fears, cut the fears, because there's a fear of rejection, probably. Fear of, you know, uh, look like an idiot. <laughs> fear well, you of know, 
I, I found out I found out many years ago <clears throat> that there's a conservation of rejection in life. <laughs> you're going to have rejection in life. You can't avoid that. Yes. If you're if you're not being crucified, you're not on purpose. You're not innovating and creating and making a difference. We all say we want to make a difference. You can't make a difference without getting rejected. That's part of life. Yes. <laughs> if you don't get rejected from the people around you, you're going to reject you on the inside. I'd rather have other people reject me. And I have to agree. That's actually a good thing that you mentioned that it's funny because I was, I, I'm saying with the cold calls, I hate it. And I know I will be rejected because it's normal human being. And, and we, we just react on, on calls when we are receiving them. And I realize it's normal. Everybody's doing that. And I actually have a worse day when I don't do cold calls, for example, as an example, but because I feel that I disappointed myself and I didn't follow my vision and, and I didn't go closer to my vision but i feel much better when i have 10 people saying no don't call me <laughs> like you know like but i did the job i feel like i moved forward i learned something and i think that's so important yeah absolutely well, you know think of if you have never read i'm just finishing up a new book it's a 1200 page book on philosophers of the ages wow and uh, that i'm writing i'm buying that <laughs> Yeah, and, and what, but, but if you have not read the quotations by a gentleman named uh, from Edison, Thomas Edison, yeah. go and get his quotations. He's got some of the most practical, simple, inspirational quotations. But, you know, he's the guy that basically practiced making a light bulb and did 1,000 examples that didn't work to get one that worked. And he said, I'm one step closer. I ruled that one out. I got one step closer. I ruled that one out. I got one step closer. I used to have a lady that was the number one broker in America. When she was 27, she was on front cover of Inc. Magazine and had the biggest brokerage personal income from anybody in America. And she lived nearby and she had her office one floor below mine. And she was a patient of mine. That's how I knew her. And uh, I went to her office sometimes because I would consult with her on other factors in her life. And I watched her and she said, I will not stop calling somebody until I've got 33 rejections. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. So she keeps a record of the rejections. She says, so far, she kept calling until she got a close. And she says, by 33, I get them all to close. So she realized that and she says, they, they would call, I, I remember one of them said, don't call me, I will, it's harassment, you know? She'd call them again. And then all of a sudden she catch them in a moment and she would say this one line, do you want somebody that committed managing your money? Because that's how committed I am to getting a result for my clients. Yeah. That no. <laughs> and then they go, good point. <laughs> and she closed it. She was man managing millions and millions of dollars because of that. That's awesome. I love that story. And I think it's so important for everyone who is doing business because we are all the time, you know, discouraged, you know, some other people, by other people, but basically we're doing that to ourselves. And that's all like just to have that drive and go through everything. That's, I think that's the power. That's, that's what we need. And I would like to ask about the, the, that I mentioned already before um, that, what is that state of balance or divine balanced mind? Because that's, that's what we are all looking for. I, I, I think, you know, we are on the way there. Like we want to be balanced. We want to feel connected. Well, we have, 
we have all biological systems have intrinsically a homeostatic mechanism inside their physiology and psychology. So if we have our blood sugar goes up, <clears throat> we have things to bring it down. Blood sugar goes down, we have things to bring it up. Our temperature goes up, we have things to bring it down, etc. This is called homeostasis. And Claude Bernard and Walter Cannon wrote a book called The Wisdom of the Body, what Walter Cannon did, and talked about homeostasis. Now, anything biological has homeostatic mechanisms to survive the perturbations of the external world that perturb it and disturb it and distract it and try to get it off center. The same thing in our psychology. So if we get infatuated with somebody and we are conscious of the upsides and unconscious of the downsides, our intuition comes in as a homeostat and whispers to us the downsides so we don't get lost in an infatuation. We've all been infatuated to such a degree we've, we, we, we get preoccupied and it's occupying space to our mind and we're distracted and we're blind to the downsides. And we're not able to make an objective reasoned action because we're blinded by an infatuation. And then you find out that the person that you're infatuated with a day, a week, a month later, you find out, oh my God, they're a fatal attraction. They're Glenn Close and Michael Douglas. And then you also have resentments where you're conscious of the downside and unconscious of the upsides. And your intuition is trying to say, there must be a reason why this has happened. And, and it's trying to homeostate you back into the center. But as long as you're infatuated or resentful and your consciousness is split up between conscious and unconscious halves, you're not mindful. You're blind to half of what's there. And you don't make the wisest decisions. So your biology and your psychology is attempting to homeostate you to see both sides. And the moment you have perfect equanimity, the moment you have a perfect balance, there's no noise in the brain. And you have no desire to change you relative to somebody you have on a pedestal and no desire to change anybody else that you have in the pit to live in your values. There's nothing to fix. There's no futility of trying to get others to change to live in your values or you to live in other people's values. There's just thank you. And in that moment of grace and that moment of authenticity, because if you're infatuated, you minimize yourself. If you resent, you exaggerate yourself. You're not yourself. But the moment you're in reflective awareness and you're in a balanced state, you're authentic and there's no noise and there's no distraction. And now you're grateful because there's nothing to fix. And you now feel love and you're now certain and you're now present and your human will matches what is, which has been called divine will, the laws of the universe. And now you're in tune, you might say, with the infinite. Instead of sitting there concentrating on finite misperceptions, you're now in objectivity instead of subjective bias. That's what I'm describing where your human will matches divine will. And that's when your purpose and your, your calling in life speaks the loudest and you know what you're here for. And you feel you have a divine revelation, a divine inspiration guiding you. And you've got tears of gratitude coming out of your eyes, knowing that you know that you know with certainty, this is my path. <laughs> and I, thank you for that, because that was my experience when you, I mean, actually I, I read the line, line that you wrote and that it was uh, that tear of gratitude. And I was like, ah, that's the tear because I didn't know why I'm crying, but I don't cry because I'm sad. I'm just really Grateful. visibly, visibly just uh, that tears coming out from my eyes sometimes when I talk to people, just just on a talk. And I had it a few times even over our conversation and I love that state. 
and I must say I didn't have that state always it was like you said it yeah, when I had to meet someone famous I definitely put myself down straight away and I thought that person is more than everyone else and I was so nervous that you know like you say something that is not really coming from your intellect like it's really low it's like oh my gosh why I say that like I don't like what I said because it wasn't me and you're right like we just push ourselves or, or shrink ourselves and we say something that is not even us yeah and well the thing is, is as long as we put somebody in a pedestal we'll minimize ourselves yeah. and we'll be ourselves as long as we put people in a pit we'll exaggerate ourselves and our altruistic or narcissistic personas and masks and facades we wear is not our authentic self. Our authentic self is equal and loving yes. and reflective. Schopenhauer says when we, to be ourselves, we have to realize we become ourselves to the degree that we make everyone else ourselves. When we realize there's no distinction, there's nobody above or below, there's just human beings. Yeah. When we actually have that, we get to be walking the path of a real loving path, a divine path of love, you might say. Divine means to shine, to be illuminated, to be aware and enlightened to the magnificent synchronicities and balances that life has to offer. Wow. I just need to let it sit. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's really pleasure to talk about those things because I think they're really important in everyday life and for everyone on the planet. And I really I'm trying to spread a message all around the world because I think this is important. Like what you are teaching that everyone should be there. Everyone should listen to that because it's so important. It's changing, absolutely changing our lives and we can be all happy. Like we can be, I'm not saying we need to be positive. We, we can be happy. We can be aligned. We can live. Well, Aristotle said there were two types of happiness. Yeah. One is a hidden, immediate gratifying, amygdala driven happiness, which is transient. And what is eudaimonia? which is a wellness and well-being factor when you see the hidden order of life and you're grateful and it's not an attachment. The Buddha says the desire for that which is unobtainable and the desire to avoid that which is unavoidable is a source of human suffering. The amygdala lives trying to seek the positive without the negative and trying to avoid the negative to get the positive. And it's trapped in, a, in a, an elusive circle. But the individual that is actually embracing both sides of life and doesn't have to get rid of half of themselves or half of other people or half of anything and embracing the wholeness, they're liberated and they're no longer in bondage to misperceptions or able to see the thing as it is. And as it is, as, as the Gita used to say, as it is, um, thought, thought, as it is, is the way it is. And loving life the way it is, is magnificent. Yeah. That's the, that's the gold nugget at the end. <laughs> I will probably uh, just ask you at the end because I know we, we need to finish soon. Do you have anything what you would love to add? Uh, I, I know you are doing a lot of work uh, around values right now. If there is anything you would like to share even about breakthrough experience or something from your work at the end of the conversation, what do you think that will be something that people will probably value. I know there well, will be everything that you can say that will probably get value. <laughs> I, I could I could spend an hour or two or three or a couple months or maybe a couple of thousand years on the breakthrough experience. I don't want to overwhelm you that. All I know is that I love sharing it because I get to take whatever I've learned in 48 years of research and teaching and utilize whatever is needed to assist whatever people are facing to help them break through whatever they've got in their way, to see things on the way, not in the way. 
but you want to make sure that you identify what you really value in life and give yourself permission to live authentically according to that because the magnificence of who you truly are is far greater than any fantasies you'll try to inject in yourself or make yourself to be. Don't try to be second at something else. Be first to being you. And, and allow yourself, no matter what that is, to honor that. Because if we sit there and compare what we really want to be with somebody else and think, oh, I should be this, what would they do? What would they think? Or they might reject me or whatever. You will pass your life by and you'll be living a quiet life of desperation. And there's no reason for that. I was speaking last night with Bronnie Ware, who's from Australia, who wrote the, the five regrets, you know, when people are dying. And a lot of people have regrets at life when they're about to pass because they didn't give themselves permission to be themselves. So don't let anything or anybody stop you from being the magnificent you because that's where the power really is. Thank you very much. And is there anything where people can find you? I know you, you share your, your values, determination. That was the... the DrDmartini.com. Just D-R-D-Martini, D-E-M-A-R-T-I-N-I, drdmartini.com. They go on my website. I've got a podcast show. I've got, I've got hundreds and hundreds of YouTube videos. There's thousands of media interviews. They could, they could spend the rest of their life on my website and, and be educated for the rest of their life and still not run out of stuff. I really hope I will have a chance to connect with you again and maybe talk a little bit more about your Yes, we'll be glad to, be glad to. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time. I really value that. And uh, I can't wait to share this interview with, uh, with my audience and looking forward to hear about your new book <laughs> very soon. Thank and, you. Yeah, thank you very much for your time. Thanks. Uh, thank you, thank you for the interview. And, and uh, may you continue to do extraordinary things and helping people do extraordinary lives. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> yeah, bye. bye. Thank you.